Virtual Nation, what is up? We are back with another episode of Ridge Runners Live featuring a very special local Ohio runner, Jessica Vandenbush. Come learn about how Jessica got into running, why she values the community so high, and learn all about her brand new trail running magazine, Eat Clean and Run Dirty. I hope you all enjoy. What is going on, Ridge Runner Nation? We are back for our 16th Ridge Runners live show, and we are super excited to have tonight's guest on the show. Tonight's guest has done some amazing things for the trail running community, both locally and across the country. She has some amazing things to talk about in regards to some of her projects and the trail running community in general. Without further ado, Jessica, how are you doing? Hey, that was like so sweet of an introduction. Thank you. Um, I'm fantastic and really honored to be a guest on your show. Thank you for having me. Oh, we were super excited uh, that you decided to come on and uh, we're excited to have this hour here. Um, we're going to get back into our beer intro and you're the first guest, like you're going to make every other guest to ever come on this show <laughs> super jealous because uh, you have a beer sponsor. So talk to us about that, how that came to be and what you're drinking tonight. Oh, well, thank you. Yes. Um, I enjoy drinking adult beverages. I like um, shitty American beer and I enjoy sour craft beers. And I do, I do a little gin from time to time. Anyway, um, if I'm at a race and they have beer at an aid station, I definitely partake in that. And, um, or like a long run, um, in the summertime and you sit in the creek to cool down, a cold beer in the creek after a big run is just one of the best things in life. So I'm a runner who drinks beer. Anyway, so my favorite brewery is Urban Artifact, and they are out of Cincinnati, Ohio. They bought an old church, and they make exclusively sour beers out of found yeast. It's really a cool thing that they got going on. And so I wrote them a letter and I told them that um, I drink beer while I go running, but I like don't just run like 5Ks. I do like 100 mile mountain races and drink beer. And I asked them if they ever thought about having an athlete like sponsored. And they were like, well, we've never heard of stuff like that, but we all run too. And that sounds really cool. You should come visit us. So I went down there and they're like, you just want to drink our beer and tell people it's good. And I was like, yeah, but I, I do that anyway. Like, you know, if you guys want to give me like a sticker or something, that's cool. And they were like, how about we just like add you to our distribution route? <laughs> I was like, wow, that's awesome, man. So yeah, so um, I am the first ambassador for Urban Artifact Brewery and their first sponsored athlete. Um, and the only, as far as I'm aware. Um, tonight I am drinking Urban Artifact Gramophone. It is a Midwest nectarine fruit tart and it is super thick, like, like fresh squeezed orange juice and it's quite delicious. Anyway, so if you, um, enjoy sour beers or you've never tried one, I encourage you to check it out. Um, they're extra tasty on a summer day after a long run. Yeah, John, we're going to have to get some of those yeah. to try out ourselves. What are you drinking tonight, John? Um, I am actually got some of my hometown favorites, some uh, Jackio's. I ended up snagging some Lost Marbles. Uh, I like this uh, hazy IPA guy going on here. So it's pretty delicious, but I'm happy to have some Athens beer. What do you got, Wes? I've got another Athens beer, uh, the Mystic Mama, another classic, keeping my Athens uh, beer drinking tour going for a couple more weeks now. Um, super excited uh, to do that. Before we dive too deep into our conversation with Jess, we want to remind everyone, whether it's your first time watching or you've been here since the beginning, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. But more importantly, introduce yourself in the chat. We want to know what you guys are drinking as well and start throwing out any and all questions that you may have for Jess. Um, Jess, your background as a runner is super interesting to me. Uh, your first event was probably the furthest thing from an ultra marathon that you could possibly uh, get from. How did your running career start and how did you end up finding the ultra and trail scene? Ah, yeah. So, well, yeah, I'm not always been a runner. I was not a college athlete. Um, I was in track in high school 
and cross, you know, cross country, like a lot of people were, but I was really into volleyball. That was more my sport. And, um, so like years passed after school and stuff. And I, you know, started smoking lots of cigarettes and hanging out with the cool kids and, you know, stuff like that. And, um, kind of, you know, lost fitness and got older and stuff. And anyway, so I started going to the dojo and doing some jujitsu, karate and boxing and, uh, like doing some mixed martial arts. And I started actually training to possibly compete like in the ring. And, um, part of warming up was always jumping rope, but when it got nice out, um, my sensei had to start running outside and, so we started trying to run a mile outside and I really loved it. I loved running outside and it was like, it turned into like, you know, a mile, a mile and a half, two miles, three miles. And I'd run for fun even when I wasn't at the dojo. And then it turned into days that were great. Um, I would skip the dojo to go running and um, sign up for my first 5k. It was the color run. And it was at like the fairgrounds in Cleveland and I was so scared and I didn't know anything about like, I didn't have running friends, you know, like I had friends at the dojo. They didn't, they weren't like runners. I had nobody to ask. And so I, I went and I wore the, the race t-shirt to the race and I pinned my bib on my back and I was all hyped up because I thought like if I had trouble and I had to walk, I thought they were going to disqualify me or something. Like there was like race police that kick you out if you walk. (laughs) And then I get there and there's like ladies pulling strollers and drinking Starbucks. Like nobody cares. And you're supposed to wear the shirt because they throw paint at you or whatever. Um, Anyway. So, but I loved it. I really loved it. And I, the whole time I was running, I thanked all the volunteers. I told them how amazing they were. Um, I talked to the other runners. I encouraged people like right from the start. I was like a natural trail runner. Cause that's how we do it. You know, um, only I was doing that, um, in Parma, Ohio at the color run. Um, so I did a couple more five Ks. I did my actual first trail race was a uh, tough mutter. And, um, you know, then, um, I was living right by the Cuyahoga Valley National Park and some friends dragged me out to bike the towpath and I saw some people running through the woods and I wanted to know what they knew. I wanted to know where they were hanging out, where they were going. And, um, so I got curious about trail running and I started going to group runs and it kind of all was over from there. Yeah. So you ran your first 5k back in 2014 and just, uh, a year later you were fully in uh the running swing what was your transition like to the first half marathon marathon 50k uh over that next year or so i went all in (laughs) um yeah like i started running i signed up for that race not long after we started running at the dojo and then there's like a towpath trilogy in the akron area by the national park and i think there was a like a five miler there's a towpath 10 miler i did then I signed up for a half marathon at the Cleveland half. It was in the springtime and loved that. Then that same year in the fall, I signed up for my first marathon. It was the Columbus marathon. And by then I had really started going to group runs. Uh, there's a group here in the Northeast Ohio area called the Crooked River Trail Runners. And they were all talking about ultra running and they just, the way that they made it sound was everything I was about. Like I really wanted to be involved with that. And so I looked at my training plan for a marathon and well, two weeks later after a marathon was the perfect time to have a 50 K or whatever. So, um, I did the Columbus marathon in October. And then in November I did the fuzzy Fandango 50 K, which they have at Mohican state park. It's quite a fantastic run. And I know you've got a lot of Ohio based, people who tune into the show and I just want to take a minute to shout out the fuzzy Fandango. It benefits camp new hop, which is an amazing cause. And it starts and finishes there at their camp. And it's the toughest race in the Mohican area um, for a 50 K distance for sure. It's tougher than forget the PR. Um, and it is an amazing like home feel. They make chili and everybody hangs out at the finish line and it's fantastic. So I encourage you to check that out. And, 
hopefully they have it this fall. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so I did that my first 50k at Fuzzy in November, and then in the spring I signed up for a couple of more. I think I did um, the Fool's 50k, and then I signed up for the Laurel Highlands 50k. Um, and you know, I decided I wanted to run a hundred mile mountain race. I went to a film festival that um, James Barner puts on from Rage Channel Running. He's out of Seattle. And he came to town and had a film festival and I didn't even know there was hundred mile races at the time. And, um, they had a film about Orcas Island and it really took me aback. I'd never been to the Pacific Northwest and I didn't even know there was hundred mile races, let alone mountain races. And, and I watched that film and I met James and I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And so I skipped, the 50 mile distance altogether. And I just went from 50 K to hundred miles. And I ran the burning river 100, um, in preparation to become a mountain runner specifically so I could run at work of Island. Yeah. So I just went for it. And, you know, I see it like on social media or when you're running at a group and, or, you know, sitting around like at hoof hearted, having a beer after a group run in Columbus and people ask you like, you know, Hey, what do you think I should do? I want to run ultras, but where should I start? And I would say, start with what you're passionate about. There's no right way or wrong way. There's no stepping stones. And we're all just kind of making it up as we go. Um, Just go, go for what gets you excited. And you you know, you can't wait to do Um, just go for that. And you'll do well serving your heart that way. Yeah, that's super inspiring advice there. Uh, what was the one thing you learned most about during that time period when you're trying to uh, work your way up to the 100-mile distance? And it's got to be kind of daunting only if you're on a 50K uh, a couple months prior. Well, so <laughs> it can be, but um, I think the best thing to do there, because until you run a 100-mile race, um, you really don't know. You don't know. You don't know what you don't know. And people can talk about it, but you really don't know. Um, one of the really cool things about the trail running community and ultra running is mentorship. And that played a huge role in all of my running and still does every single day. And I was able to go to a lot of different group runs in the Cleveland Akron area. There seems to be a huge variety of group runs every single day that are trail runs. And I'd go and I'd listen and I'd learn and I'd ask questions and I'd, you know, listen to stories of races that were successful or that were bad or that, you know, and I asked, well, what do you drink and what do you eat? And, you know, um, and I learned from other people. And I think that that that's part of what I love about our sport, but I think that that's the best way to do it. Um, trial and error for yourself, but, um, listen to not necessarily your elders, but like people who have done what you're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Especially because like not too long after that, you kind of took that role on yourself on 2015, you launched trigger stride, which is now kind of transitioned into eat clean, run dirty a little bit and the merge there. Uh, talk about how you started that. That's such an awesome venture to kind of start. And uh, how did that all become? Well, thank you. Um, so same thing. Like I, you know, I thought about how I felt when I went to that first 5k or the first marathon, stuff like that. I thought about what it felt like to be new and to not have friends to ask people questions when, you know, before I knew running people and the thing about me is I'm not afraid to find out things for myself. I'm not afraid to look dumb in front of people. I'm not afraid to fail or be vulnerable. Um, I'm just going to use it as learning and move on. Like, you know, brush off my shoulder and keep going. And um, not everybody has that. And so I want to help others by finding things out and sharing it. And so that's one of the things with the, the podcast. Um, it, you know, I, I started off calling it Sugar Stride. I had no idea. I've never gone to like school to learn about broadcasting or anything like that. And so just like how I just jumped into running, I just jumped into podcasting and I thought I'd figure it out as I went. And I wasn't going to let not being ready or not knowing what I was doing or 
worried about sounding dumb. <laughs> um, and like, for sure, like one of the things is I didn't start a podcast and I don't share things because I think I know what I'm talking about. Um, I don't think of myself as any kind of um, expert. I'm not an expert. I'm not an authority on anything besides maybe like speaking adversity, <laughs> but um, it's, I want to share my experiences so that other people see that and think, well, I can do that too. You know, like I want people to see my vulnerability and learn from it and like find deep in themselves, you know, and go after what it is they want to do. I I just hope that it, you know, my suffering and stuff like that. And sometimes I share good things, you know, I share everything and that's the thing. Um, and that's sort of why I started that podcast kind of to be, if you didn't have any running friends to be your running friend and you could listen to it while going running and it's like talking to somebody. Um, and I just love podcasts too. I listen to quite a few of them myself. I love that like form of content. Um, it's really personal and, um, but, you know, I, I'm happy to contribute to that world, too. Yeah, the podcasts are great because you really get a chance to get to know somebody or understand them a little bit more deeper than you would, like, with, like, a two-minute, like, quick little interview that gets posted somewhere. So those are great. Oh, right. And at the time, too, like, I mean, there was a couple of running podcasts at the time. But um, as far as I know, I'm the first lady that had an ultra-running podcast. Um for a while because there's not a lot of women in ultra um, and certainly not in hundred mile races. Now there's a bunch and there's like some fancy chicks having podcasts and, you know, but um, and with, you know, far more knowledge and experience than I have, but you know, it, it was um, something that I continue to do. Although I've taken a little break from posting episodes um, for just taking time for myself, but I will get back to it. And I've, um, you know, have plenty to share and I'm excited to do that. Yeah. So then we transition from the podcast to now your newest adventure with the E Clean Run Dirty. And I think you just had that, the first initial episode or a zero edition, right? For your uh, like magazine. Like a test run. You're talking about your magazine and mm -hmm. what was the motivation behind, behind making a magazine? Because that seems like, and the fact that it's also not e it's only print right there's no yeah, digital only print yeah so. no now it's paper you can smell it um <laughs> so i wanted to like stain your fingers with the ink like i love it so i love magazines and i thought about like what are like why do i run what are the reasons i run i don't run just for exercise i mean sometimes i do but certainly nobody runs ultras because of exercise right it's more than that because otherwise you just go to the gym or whatever like i like being outside i love being outside and i love using running to travel and see beautiful places and so i'll get magazines and i'll or even think about how we use instagram like i like find places that inspire me and read about them and i'll tear out a page and hang it you know, on my bathroom mirror or something and think about like, man, I can't wait to go to the Canadian Rockies. Like I just need to go there. Like, and like looking at the landscape and wondering like, you know, how many grizzly bears are there? <laughs> Stuff like that. Anyway. So I wanted that print only thing. You can't do that with digital. You can't interact with it. You can't spill coffee on it and then freak out and wipe it off because you love that page. Um, you can't tear out a, a, a thing and hang it somewhere. And, you know, if, if you did get the test edition, um, we, you know, I put in a, a dot to dot of Anton. Like you can't have a dot to dot on a digital issue. Um, there is even a tear out gear sheet. And on the back of the tear out gear sheet strategically was um, a, a very tasteful photograph of boobs so that you could have like, you know, boobs on the back of your sheet. You can't do that with digital. And so um, there's really cool things that can make a print-only magazine interactive. And I want it to be something that people want to hang on to. 
um, something lasting in a world where so many things are quick and digital and on your phone and impersonal. Like this is a way where I can mail this magazine to your house and it's because I'm in your house (laughs) Um, and it'll be there until you choose to recycle it or hopefully you don't recycle it. You pass it on or you think, uh, you know, the pages are so pretty. You use it as gift wrap or some, you know, something like that. Um, That's my hope for it. Compost. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Especially because like you've been kind of reaching out to some people, uh, I feel like that have helped you kind of put this together or whatnot. You're not afraid to kind of reach out, uh, in that regard. Uh, what's it been like to kind of have the community back you in this big project? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Um, I, I really am. Um, my heart is filled with gratitude for the people who have subscribed without even seeing it. You know, I had a ton of people, um, at first, before I had like a fancy website, people were just sending me like Venmo, um, for a subscription for something that they didn't even see first, you know, <laughs> they don't even know what thing Jess might send to their house. And then they gave me their address too. Um, so, um, that whole idea is amazing. And you know, the, um, the subscription, it's, it's $32 for a year, but $32 is a lot of money. Um, you could definitely buy um, you know, like a bottle of wine and a pizza for that much. And people decided to take that harder and money and send it to something that they just believed in without seeing first. Um, that that's amazing. And I also have a group of people with starting it up. I invited people to invest. Um, and I have a founders club and it's a group of people that really believed in the vision and wanted to help get it set up. So I've got a small group of founders um, that help me proofread things and they help share it on social media. And sometimes I bounce, bounce my crazy ideas off of them, like like boudoir photos in a running magazine. And, um, you know, I check myself against them. So that's pretty exciting too. It's neat. and. Um, another way too that I'm able to support, I mean, really like the magazine is about creating a canvas, right? It's, I want to make a canvas for other people to share what they do or what they think or their experiences, right? Like I want to just project the amazing people in our community through that magazine. Um, I don't, there's, there's plenty of douchebags out there that write books. And they self-publish them because they think whatever they have to say is important and it's ego or whatever. I'm sure there's some people that have a magazine that want to do that. No, like I literally will do this with a bag over my head. This is not about me. This is not about me. And I didn't start a magazine to put my own crap in it. Um, I love the ultra running community and the trail community. And that means even the people who are part of it that aren't even runners. There are so many people that run aid stations, volunteers, parts of the race. People, maybe in our families that support our crazy butts. And there's, you know, like I want to talk about them in that magazine too. It's not just about like some of these other, I'm like kidding on a rant. Some of these big magazines have the elites in it and they talk about um, their problems. And that's only 1% of the sport. Um, everybody else is out there helping each other out. And, you know, pack in a cooler full of cold beers wrapper a long run or um, giving your last gel on a climb to a stranger, stuff like that. And crying on the shoulder of somebody like in the middle of the night. It's amazing. And so I, I made I made this magazine for those people. Um, and so like to anybody who's subscribed, you know, I want you to know, like you have a magazine. Um, it's not, it's ours. It's ours. If there's such a thing as a cooperative magazine, that's what this is. It's ours. 
Yeah, if you guys haven't checked this out, go over to sugarstride.com and click the magazine tab and you can read all about it. There's a statement that uh, you have up there that really just kind of touched me a little bit. It says, if you're a bartender, pastry chef, retail worker, race director, et cetera, and you're out of work due to COVID-19 or otherwise have limited or no funds, but still want to get the greatness of this magazine, uh, please do not hesitate to send me an email. There's always a place for you at the table. No questions asked. I will send you copies until you get your stuff in order. And basically like, that mentality that you kind of have that everyone is invited, no matter what their situation is, is truly inspiring. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, I just, it's, it's, it's literally um, my love letter to trail running and um, trail running saved my life. Basically, you know, like I wouldn't be the person I am without it. And it's my, it's, you know, um, I don't want anybody who wants to be a part of it excluded, you know, like there is a place at the table for everybody. And if money is a thing, we'll find a way. Um, but they're welcome. They're welcome. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, you started doing, obviously the magazine is this one of the small and many things that you've kind of done for the trail running community. Uh, let's transition a little bit here into your group runs. I mean, I feel like you've, have group runs at uh, a couple different places now, uh, obviously maybe not, not right now, but uh, pre COVID <laughs> era. Uh, talk about those a little bit. Well, so I started, um, that's where eat clean run dirty came from, right? Cause I started the podcast and I called it sugar stride. And then I started a running club and I called the running club eat clean run dirty. Um, Cause I, I tend to eat well. And by eat well, I mean, just eat real food. It doesn't mean like I eat nutrition bars or something horrible. I eat real food. That's good. And so that, there's some red nutrition bars. Sorry. <laughs> um, but um, so I had a group run somewhere that had good food. Most people, most trail runners do some kind of bar or something like that and get like burgers or something after a run. But usually it's horrible bar food. And there's a place in Cleveland that was the first 100% non-GMO restaurant. And um, they have really good quality food, craft beer, and it's downtown. And there's a cool route around Cleveland. It's like a tour of Cleveland you can take. And this place, too, um, was, like, pretty cool, you know. It was, like, very stylish. There are beautiful people there. And um, the other part of it of why I wanted to meet there is I loved the idea of in the middle of this place, there we were sweaty with dead bugs stuck to our face, drinking beer and, you know, run by blown snot rockets <laughs> next to the pretty people on the patio and, you know, running attracts all kinds of different people and all kinds of different places, especially trail running. And so I wanted to bring trail runners together with road people together with like the fast track kids, you know, like, so everybody was invited all ages, all paces. Um, I marked the course. So nobody ever gets lost. It's chalk everywhere. You don't have to stress out about that like six minute mile guy and keeping up with him. Um, you know, and I also, you know, wanted to make it so those people, you know, they felt like they belonged to something. And not only do they feel like they belonged, like I wanted to, I wanted to reframe the idea of the cool kids table. Um, and I wanted to have one where everyone was welcome. Um, you, you know, no jerks, but like everybody is welcome. And, you know, that's something I did now. Um, and so we started it, yeah, at this place in Cleveland. I did some ones in Akron at the craft beer bar for a while, the mustard seed market. I had runs there and everybody got free smoothies, but they'd rather have free beer. So we moved it, um, which understandable. And I've done a couple in um, Columbus at Hoof Hearted um, in Columbus. Uh, one of the owners there is a trail runner. He's a pretty rad guy. And they have great beer too at Hoof Hearted. And then um, a couple of random, like, uh, you know, the day that the ice cream stand opens in the spring, you know, I've done like a big group run to celebrate ice cream and things like that. But yeah, I've kind of, um, with the virus, the group runs all stopped. And actually I'm looking for a new place because, uh, 
<laughs> I just don't want to go to that place in downtown Cleveland anymore. So I'm looking to reframe that. I'm not sure what the future looks like for that after the virus, uh, but there will still be fellowship indeed. Definitely. Yeah. That place I can imagine um, with you guys all coming in, it's pretty, uh, I'm not uppity, but it's, it's a nice, it's a nicer place. And for example, like first take for ESPN came in there uh, when the Cavs were in the NBA finals and like they did a big thing there. So uh, having a bunch of trail runners in there was definitely kind of oh, yeah. rocked their world a little bit. Yes. It's the, it's the place where like the Kardashians go to when they come to Cleveland and then there's me <laughs> and I can't act right. And I'm smelly and gross and I swear too much. And I don't care. And um, all my friends are there too. <laughs> so I don't know. That's, that's yeah, that's the basically. Um, but they also, they were kind to us. You know, they were always very kind and accommodating. And um, my friend is happens to be the manager there. So that's kind of how we got to be. Um, he's a trail runner. And uh, so that's how we got the gig. And, and I did convince them that like the coolest place in Cleveland the coolest place in Cleveland, at least at the time, um, I convinced them all to give every runner a free beer. And so that's the thing. Um, all my group runs involve free beer, um, except for the ice cream ones. They just don't have beer there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, ice cream is probably a decent trade-off at some points. Uh, Jen Shepard is in the chat and uh, she said that you helped her client reach a hundred miles under 24, 25 hours at Leadville. Uh, amazing time. Amazing to be on the course and support in real time. Uh, she's been popping around in the chat. So I just wanted to give her a quick shout out. Awesome. What's up, Jen? But yeah, kind of transitioning here. Obviously, uh, your group runs looking for a new home. I'm sure you'll get that sorted out with free beer. I'm going to have to make my way back up to Cleveland to get to one of those when this is all uh, said and yeah. over, hopefully. Um, talk about, obviously, you were very inspired by the uh, Rain Shadow running uh, tr- that film festival, the, the now it's virtual, but it used to just come around. James would come around to different cities all around the country and tour it. Um, you kind of started your own trail running film festival, uh, Burning River Trail Running Film Festival. Talk about that. How did you kind of get the uh, backing to kind of like, hey, let's start this locally and kind of see where it goes? So I have this thing about me where I'm not, um, I don't know, like I. I just do it. Like I just do stuff. If I decide to do a thing, I, I go after it. And um, so, yeah, I decided that I wanted to have a film festival here and I, you know, had done some running and was really inspired by the stories that I heard and I saw and I was a part of at races. And I knew how James film inspired me and I wanted to create a space to share those films with other people, but then also encourage folks to make their own films and tell their own stories. And so I founded the Burning River Film Festival. We showed professional films and we showed films that somebody made on their iPhone and it was their first time. And, you know, it's uh, somebody who's definitely not a filmmaker, but had a story to tell and a perspective. And I wanted to, give once again, like I wanted to put their stories on the big screen. And then the other thing too, something I noticed about um, the community was there's a whole lot of folks that one of that are in a relationship, they have a partner and their partner doesn't run, but they do. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, if you're going to run a big race, you spend, you're running 50 miles a week, 70 miles a week, um, hundred miles, maybe a week, but you're gone a lot. That takes a lot of time and away from home. You're not doing the dishes. You're not helping out with stuff, <laughs> you know, Saturday morning, you're not hanging out, having brunch with your family. You're out running with your buddies. And so, and sometimes people's families, they can come to a race, but at a race, you only see them at maybe an aid station, maybe, um, but just for a moment. And so I wanted to create a way that, people could share what they did and why they did it with the people they love that don't run. And there's really not a better way to do that than to bring them to a trail running film festival. Um, And I saw that um, time and time again, both, you know, going to James festival and then at burning river 
Um, people brought their kids and their spouse and, you know, they got a glimpse into what they experience out there when they're running a hundred miles. And I think it really helped a lot and brought people together and then inspired people to take a camera when maybe they didn't think they could. They saw the amateur movie on the big screen and, you know, was moved by it and wanted to make their own version and contribute to it or had their own story to tell. Um, you know, that, that's, that's why, that's why I did it. And yeah. And like with that, how I got backing for, I didn't have any backing like, like that. What, what I had was um, like, I mean, let me say it this way. I'm not a rich person. I don't just like go buy my way into these things. I just am audacious <laughs> and um, driven. And so I decided I want a film festival. And before I even had any films, um, I went to the Akron Civic Theater, which is where um, the night after the first Spring River Film Festival, Elvis Costello played, you know, like it's a legit theater that they used to have like operas at. It's historic. It's beautiful. It has, it's ornate. It has like gilded statues. And I walk in um, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, talk to the director and I tell him about trail running because he didn't know. And I tell them about the kind of running I do and that it's real different like, and, you know, inspire some folks to make a movie about it. And, you know, um, what did he think about me having a movie there? And by the way, I, I don't have any money. <laughs> and uh, he was more than he, he was really intrigued. I think both with the story and also who's this lady. <laughs> and um, so so yeah, and then I just got to work and I started reaching out to folks I didn't even know and, um, you know, told them, you know, that inspired me and told them, you know, that I'd love to share their work with other people. And I had people contribute and volunteer. I had all kinds of amazing movies. And then, and then I thought about, um, it's not just movies. Like I wanted a thing where it was kind of like a festival beforehand too, like a party. And I, so I invited some trail runners that had um, brothers that played instruments. So we had a band and um, so there was a band that played right before. And then I invited race directors and nonprofits to have booths so that, um, and the race directors, not just any race director, um, race directors, I give back to the community. So they might have a thing where, they require stewardship to run their race or they do trail work days before the race or they donate to an organization from the proceeds of their race. So um, races that are there to support their community that way, they were welcome to have a booth there. And then also like the Buckeye Trail Association was there. Camba, not just runners, the mountain bike gang, um, they're a fun crowd and we share the same trails. So I invited them to come out too. Um, so, and I had lots of donations for raffles and stuff like that. It was really cool. Um, so that's something that's really special and um, had, and I had um, Julie and Katie were um, my friends. They volunteered their time. Um, my other friend, Maggie, they volunteered to basically be like a staff member unpaid um, <laughs> and, you know, stuff like that. Even um, if you're from Cleveland, I had Barrio come out and make tacos for people in the theater. Um, I reached out to Watershed Distillery and I had a gin sponsor and they made trail runner themed gin drinks. Now, like who the heck has a gin sponsor? I do. <laughs> and why? Cause I'm not afraid to ask, you know, like I, you know, so, um, and our shape brewery was a sponsor the year after that. Um, so, it's really, once again, like, it's not about me. It's about, I want to share the community I love with everybody else and support them. And so I just invent ways that I can support them. Yeah. If there's one thing that uh, Rich on Nation will take from this, it's that uh, how inspiring kind of your story is. I mean, you kind of just don't even think about uh, how it's going to happen. You just make it happen. You show up <laughs> and kind of start these epic projects that just turn into some really special things. What was one thing that shocked you most about maybe the growth of the Burning River Trail Film Festival or just something that you didn't expect when, before you started it? Um, that, well, um, 
you know, um, I think a lot of times we take for granted how we affect other people. Um, and I think sometimes we can inspire one another in ways that are unintended, but super important. And um, a lot of times we don't even know. And I think that um, one thing that I try to um, make sure of is that I tell other people what they mean to me, right? And so that's kind of how these things are are born, right? And so, um, like, you know, watching that movie that James showed, um, the guy who made that movie, his name is Matt Cecil, and he's um, from British Columbia. And I reached out to Matt and I told him just how beautiful I thought that film was. And I told James. And not only that, like I got to, you know, um, I think, you know, that telling people how they affect you, don't be scared to, don't be nervous, don't be bashful, don't be afraid. The thing you should be afraid of is not doing it. Um, just like trying new things, right? Um, going ahead and signing up for that race or trying to start a magazine or whatever are you, you know, like it is scary stuff. It's un, it's uncertain. It's unknown. And I think that that's, yeah, that's, that's the biggest thing too, is doing things that are uncertain. Um, don't be afraid of that. You should, um, be more afraid of not trying than afraid of what happens if you do. Um, and the more things that you practice that you're unsure of, the easier it is to try. And you can do that in little ways or small ways or um, big ways, right? So it doesn't have to be starting a film festival. It could be doing a headstand. Um, you know, like when I go to yoga class, I, I love yoga. And before the virus, I used to go quite regularly to yoga class. Um, I'm not the most graceful of people. <laughs> and I definitely am not super skilled at doing handstands. But, um, and I do... I, I like being close. I like being in the front row. So I'll put myself in the front row, not because I think I'm cool, but because I want to be able to see the instructor because I don't know what I'm doing. And I'll try and do a headstand. And usually I just fall. And the yoga studio is quiet and it ends at a giant thump. And um, some people would be too embarrassed to even try. But what do I do? I just roll over and try again. And, um, that makes you stronger, like trying things that are unsure and then trying again and trying again, it makes you stronger and doing little things like that translates to big things like signing up for races that you're unsure of if you can do it or not. Um, so take more chances. Um, is I guess what I've learned, take more chances. Yeah. Just a reminder, Ridge Runner Nation, uh, if you have any questions for Jess, pop those in the chat and we'll try to get to as many of them as we can. Uh, one thing that you have done is take chances and it's been awesome to see uh, this earlier this year, you had the chance to run the Orcas Island 100, uh, which had to be super inspiring to you to get out there. Uh, what was that like? What was that experience like to kind of go back and run the race that inspired you to kind of start this whole trail running, your trail running life? Yeah, so um, it was my third try at running Orcas Island. Um, the first time I signed up for Orcas Island was three years ago. And um, three years ago, it was my third 100-mile attempt. Um, I ran Burning River. And then uh, a year later, after Burning River, I ran um, the Chattanooga 100. And that was in December and then the following February, so a couple months after, I went out to run Orcas Island. And I went out with um, some of my very dear friends that had been out there before. That race is like family. And I had never been to the Pacific Northwest. And it was beautiful. It was like Narnia. There's like waterfalls and moss and mountains everywhere. It's magical. And I had no idea. I had I'd never been out there before. And it just slapped me in the face with just how beautiful it is. It's just like, I was wrecked. I was like head over heels. I didn't see it coming. And so I went out there and I really had no idea what I was doing. And those of you who don't know that race, um, it's on an island in the Pacific ocean 
in February. <laughs> you know, like it's a winter race and um, it's up actual mountains and um, there's 27,000 feet of elevation gain in that race. Um, quite formidable and quite a lot more than like the 8,000 that is burning river or whatever it is. It's, it's a deep end of the pool kind of thing. And so I went out and I made it to mile like 70. I mean, it's mile 70 in like 24 hours, plenty of time to finish, but um, that's the only race that I've ever actually quit. I've got some DNF, but that's the only race I quit. And so many things went wrong and I was, I was scared to suffer that bad um, because I was suffering a, a great deal and I was afraid and I quit and it broke my heart. And I knew immediately right after it broke my heart and they brought me to the finish line and I went into that park shelter underneath a blanket and I ugly cried for hours. It broke my heart. And so the next, I swore to go back and the next year I went out and they had the storm of the century and they actually canceled the race because there was a giant winter storm and we were already out there. So my friends and I went adventuring around on, um, in the Olympic national park in North Cascades instead, but it was canceled. And so, um, I've had a pretty big chip on my shoulder for a while. And I went out to run Orcas Island this last year and they said it was the worst year in history of the race. Um, it was cold, but it was raining like right from the start. And there was a giant snowstorm. And then there was another sleet storm. Their trees were crashing on runners. A tree hit a guy. Like it was flooded. There were sections of the race where the water was like up to your thighs, ice cold water. There's snow slush everywhere. It was, I mean, every, like half the people dropped because of hypothermia. It was, and this is another race too, aside from it being a winter race with 27,000 feet of gain, they don't allow pacers. And I run most of my races with no pacers and no crew. Um, I, I know some people that run hundred mile races with like a van with their family in it, hauling them around and giving them shoulder massages and putting ointment on them and stuff. No, like I do this shit alone. Um, and so, yeah, well, as alone as you are in a hundred mile race, you know, you band together with other people. Um, but I don't have my mom and dad following me around in a fan, you know? Um, so, um, yeah, it was the worst weather in history ever. And I crossed the finish line with an hour to spare and they actually invented a special award for me. Um, called the James made an award called the comeback award. And, um, cause I had a really dark spot very publicly in front of a lot of people and they, nobody knew and everybody, everybody there at that race. And I'm sorry for rambling on, but everybody at that race comes every year. It's always the same people and they always volunteer. And those people remembered me from when I quit the guy who gave me the ride back when I cried in his truck and dropped me off at the, he was there at this race cheering me on at the aid station. It was all the same people and they care. And, you know, it, and they knew that it meant everything to me. So it was amazing to cross that finish line and have that family, the Orcas Island family there and literally embrace me. Um, my soul just melted onto that island. Like it was, I can't, and I will have a podcast on it. I did bring my handheld recorder and I recorded quite a lot in that. And I just haven't brought myself yet to release it and put it all together because of just how epic it ended up being to me. Yeah. Yeah. We're super <laughs> excited to kind of, I, I guess, hear your full thoughts on that on us on your own podcast. And of course the video, hopefully you release there. Uh, you've run some massive races for people that don't know. Some people just may not know uh, Hellgate hundred K grind some hundred uh, GDR, no business 100, uh, just for some of the examples, obviously Orcas Island, uh, you've got two races on your calendar for 2020 still to go. Hopefully they happen. Talk a little bit about those. Oh, I actually have three races on my calendar. So I don't know which ones you know about, but okay. Um, yeah. So coming up, I am signed up for the rut 50 K. Um, that is in big sky, Montana. It is, you run up Lone Peak. It's a very competitive race. It's a big race. And actually, 
Um, my boyfriend, Ryan Mulcahy, it's going to be his first 50K. So that's a really exciting race to be your first 50K. Um, it's Montana. It's gorgeous. Um, but there's a lot of a guy actually just got attacked um, by a grizzly bear in Big Sky, like last week, a mountain biker. So there's a different problems out west that you have to worry about. Um, then my race right after that is the bear. I'm running the bear 100. It's a point to point 100 mile race that starts in local Logan city, Utah. And I run to bear Lake, Idaho. Um, that I'm really excited about. I've wanted to do the bear for a while. There's some really cool belt buckles associated with that race. And a bunch of my friends are going, we have a house and we're just going to go wreck ourselves and have a good time. Um, and then the other one that I'm signed up for is, um, hellbender. That was one of the COVID races. It was supposed to be in April and it got postponed till November. And um, that race is in North Carolina. And I think that one's got about 24,000 feet elevation gain. It's pretty gnarly um, through the Blue Ridge Mountains. So I'm pretty stoked about that. Yeah. Yeah. The two ones that I knew about were the the hundred mile races. The, the run is going to be awesome. That is a super tough course, I believe. Right. I mean, like it's rocky the whole way and, <laughs> Yeah, it'll be a good warm up for the bear. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, so yeah, it is it's highly technical. Um yeah, it's kind of like uh going up Lone Peak, there's a lot of like loose scree and stuff like that and then combined with grizzly bears. Um it's rugged, it's rugged and wild and and that's kind of that's like the races that I like to do. Um besides Orcas Island, I ran I am Tough in Idaho, that's another um so I I go down the list of hard rock qualifiers and the hard rock qualifiers are quite fantastic individually in themselves. So if you're just looking for a fantastic race, um, I would recommend any of those hard rock qualifying races are quite fantastic. So, um, I am tough as the Idaho mountain ultra trail festival. It's actually 108 miles and, uh, it's a big loop and each year they go a different direction. Um, and it starts in McCall, Idaho. It's quite beautiful and it's very difficult. It's a very difficult race, very rugged, remote. Um, they don't have access to aid stations. I mean, a lot of the aid stations there, they hiked in or got in on horseback. One of the aid stations were two people with just goats and they put, um, supplies on the back of goats and brought that there and they didn't really have water. They had some cinnamon whiskey and that was it. Um, so be mindful of that when you sign up for a rugged mountain race that where you're going, cars can't go. So that means the aid's going to be very limited. Um, so, but I am tough. I would recommend that to anybody. One of my very favorite races that I've ran and I didn't finish, um, was Bighorn. Um, that is in Wyoming and that was fantastic. It's one of my favorite races. So if you have a chance to come out to Bighorn, I'm on the wait list. Bighorn was canceled this year because of the virus, but I'm on the wait list next year. I really hope to get into that again. That's a race I never want to miss. Um, Bighorn is pretty much everything. Um, I was actually too this year, virus. <laughs> um, I was on the official volunteer list for Hard Rock, which is my huge goal race. And so I was going to go out there and help with course clearing and help with um, at aid stations. Um, and um, like do soft rock while I'm out there and they canceled that too. So also my volunteer gig was canceled. <laughs> yeah, obviously a tough, tough year for races and whatnot, but you're like a, like, I don't even know how to call it, like a senior aid station captain. You're could be classified as like one of the top aid station captains on the East coast. You're always volunteering your time and uh, efforts out there for aid stations. Um, you've got your foot in the door with the burning river, um, the Buckeye trail trail association, I believe, and a couple different things there. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess like how important is it to you to give back in that, in those ways, obviously you kind of do it through the magazine and the group runs or whatnot, but how important is it to be there for those runners at mile 70 of say burning river mile 70 of hard rock or whatnot? Um, it's everything to me. Uh, you know, I really strive to volunteer for as many races as I run. Um, I, I try and equal it out like that. I, yeah, I am an aid station captain for burning river 
we're usually at the Cover Bridge aid station, which is at mile 82 and 87. But um, since Burning River had trouble with permits because of different things that they're changing within the park, they changed the course. So now we're at like mile 73. And um, that aid station is a really big deal to me. Um, I really want to support other people in their dreams and um, create a space where also people who might not be runners can be a part of something special in the race too with volunteering and giving service. I'm an aid station captain for the Mohegan 100. Um, I'm the finish line aid station captain with totally different problems at that aid station because people um, have, you know, <laughs> they're laying around on the floor and I bring them sandwiches. <laughs> like it's a different thing. And we're um, the finish line is right next to the free beer truck. Or um, so it's a good spot for the aid station to be. And then, yeah, I am a member of the Buckeye Trail Association. I was a trail adopter for a while for a section of the trail called the the Bog of Despair. It's like the the section nobody else wanted, so I took it. It was my favorite, actually. Um, and I sign up for as many trail work days as I can. Um, and and two, not just ones locally of races that I have to run or that I want to. Um, you know, trail work days for races outside of the state. Um, and it's something I encourage people to, to look at. You should have a familiarity with trail building and with maintaining trails so that when you're running them, um, you know, you know, like if the trail, you know, how to be a, a responsible trail runner, you know, you get to learn from the people who take care of the trails, learn how to use the different tools, learn what goes into it. Um, I think it's a really wonderful way to give back to the places and spaces that we use, but also to get to know the other people that use the trails, you know, like Buckeye Trail Association, it's a bunch of hikers, you know, and so they're cool hikers and getting to know them and they're very different from us, but we have a common love for something that is the trail. So getting to know your greater trail community. Um, and also another thing for folks to think about is consider traveling to do trail work, you know, like World's End is one. The World's End 100K has always has a series of trail work weekends. Um, consider, even if you're not in the race, consider going out to World's End in Pennsylvania and camping out, running some, and doing trail work. You know, like what a great weekend that would be. You could get in great training and um, be a part of the community in that way. Um and just volunteering, I'll just show up at a lot of races too. Um, I'll show up randomly and work at aid stations. And I just, I don't know, like, it means a whole lot to me to be able to help people. And I learn a lot from it too. Um, it's very educational. And I think it, I recommend it to, if you want to get into ultra running or you want to get into the longer distances, a really great way to learn more about it is just to dive in and be a part of it. And, um, see what people look like at mile 80 of a hundred mile race. That's very informative. Maybe you won't want to do it anymore, <laughs> but um, it's, it's a wonderful thing. It's actually, I love it more than running. Like I love the volunteering and helping people at aid more than I do like actual running the race myself. I love it. You've been absolutely great tonight, uh, Jessica. We've got a couple rapid question, fire questions here before we wrap up. Um, so let's kind of fire these at you. Uh, speaking on the topic of aid stations, what is one thing that you can't leave an aid station without? Like something I get at the aid station? Yeah. <laughs> or like, don't forget your trekking poles. <laughs> um, yeah, don't forget your poles. If you set your poles down, if you have poles, you set them down. Don't forget to take them. Um, you know, it depends on all different things. Like aid station favorite things um, is, you know, uh, what I guess you're talking about. Um I'll drink Mountain Dew if they have it. If they have whiskey, I'll take a shot of whiskey or tequila if they have that, depending on what race it is. I really like potato chips and I like the salt and vinegar, like the vinegar ones, vinegar, potato chips. Um, and something you'll see me doing is um, the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches that they have. I'll um, take it and take potato chips and smash it in the middle and eat it with chips in the middle. Um, that's a definite thing. If they have avocado, one of the things, so different races have different stuff. And that's what's cool about it. So at Orcas Island, one of the aid stations has avocado sushi and soy sauce. 
and it is the perfect thing. So I will never run Orcas Island without eating avocado sushi. Um, there's at Bighorn, there's a race on the Crow Reservation that um, people hike in and have elk jerky and dried apricots. Um, so that's fantastic in mountain spring water because they hiked in, um, you know, so things like the things that are special to a race, Cayuga 50 mile race is the first race I went to that had pierogies and blueberries. And that was fantastic. Um, at the burning river aid station that I do, um, this last year we had roasted sweet potatoes. Um, you know, we also had, we had pierogies. But then, um, you know, we're making people sandwiches. There was even a year, the first year that I had that Burning River Aid Station. Um, I talked to the people at Melt Bar and Grilled, um, Matt Fish, the owner. Um, I talked to him about how grilled cheese is a staple at races, and I got him to sponsor our aid station. And so he donated the bread and the cheese and taught me how to make a grilled cheese sandwich. And um, Melt Bar and Grilled is a, like a, you know, a staple, a Cleveland staple grilled cheese restaurant. And so, yeah, we had melt at my aid station. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it depends on the race, you know, there's different stuff at Mohican. Brie Gannon has amazing soup at her aid station. And if you're sweet, maybe she'll give you some vanilla chia pudding. Um, so it's different, it's different things. And I think that's, that's my favorite thing. I mean, there's staples that like, you know, every, every aid station usually has like gummy bears, um, but I want what's authentic to that race, Georgia death race and a shot of whiskey at, you know, um, after you, um, oh my God, what's that horrible climb? I can't even remember. Um, they have a horrible climb and they have a sign that says aid station. And when you get there, there's no aid station. You have another two miles to go. And when you get to the top, you get that. Um, there's, you know, it's stuff like that. Um, the thing that's authentic to the race itself. That's, that's my favorite thing. Definitely. If you could run with one person in the history of the world, uh, who would it be and why? Right. Like I, I have no idea. <laughs> I have, I have um, no idea. Um, some of you like runners are different, but um, you know, people that really inspire you are different too. Um, I, I honestly, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It would probably be, just a random stranger, you know, like I, it doesn't have to be anything special. It's not like I want to run with Jesus or like, you know, like these famous historic folks. Um, the, the person that I want to run with is um, somebody I haven't met yet. And somebody that we can, you know, I can just, I don't know. That's part of why I love these races and going everywhere is all the people you get to meet and share the miles with. Um, so that, I don't know, <laughs> the next stranger, that's not a stranger anymore. So I want to run with. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Uh, lastly, what's one race? I think I know the answer to this one, but if you had to pick one race to run for the next decade, what race would it be? Right. So, well, I've got two big ones. Um, I, I want to run hard rock. All right. So I'll, I'll tell you about three big ones. <laughs> <laughs> so the United States, I would really, I want to run hard rock. That's my big goal race. I do the qualifiers because they're individually fantastic on their own, but hard rock is my big, hairy, crazy race that I want to do enough where I'm going to go out and volunteer and be a part of it. So I can learn about it and be part of the community without even getting in the lottery. Um, I'm going to go out to that race. If they just let me hang out at the finish line, that's what I'll do. Uh, North America one of the races um, that I really want like to do is called Fat Dog 120, and that is in British Columbia. It's quite a fantastic race. It's really rugged and wild, and um, that's a huge goal race. And then internationally, there's a race in Italy called Tour de Jean, and it's a 200-mile race in the mountains of Italy, and it's quite epic. And um, originally we was planning on doing it next year, but now with all this virus stuff, everything's messed up. So that would be crazy. If I get to a point where I can run Tour de Jean, um, I'll kind of, I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I won't need to do anything after that if I live. <laughs> 
Well, we want to give you a huge thank you for coming on the show tonight, Jess, uh, and for joining our show. Uh, for people that want to follow you on social media, where can they find you? Oh, um, you know, I'm probably actually on Instagram the most. And um, I have a new name. I used to be Jessica Croissant. Now I'm Jessica Vandenbush. Um, it's my old name as I you know, am a newly divorced person. Um so find me on Instagram at Jessica Vandenbush. You could go to ecleanrundirty.com and connect about the magazine and stuff there. The podcast is on iTunes. It's on um, Spotify. We're on Spotify. You can get it there. Um, there's lots of episodes. I've been doing it since 2015. So there's lots to go back and listen to. And um, part of what makes my podcast different, I think I have guests and I talk about interesting stuff, but um, I bring a handheld recorder with me to races. And so you can hear me running the Mohican 100 or stuff like that, which I think is a little bit different. And I even share the bad stuff um, or I'm on, you know, Facebook too. You could go there, but um, yeah, just search me up. I'd be honored if you would follow me and check out my things. Definitely. Yeah. We'll put all of those links and whatnot in the description of this video. So everyone has access to those. Uh, if you found us or have been following us since the beginning, make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube and Apple podcasts. Thank you again, Jess. Uh, this was awesome. We'll have to do this again in the future. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for having me on. Um, I'm flattered that you asked and honored to be a guest and hope, uh, hope I did. Okay. You're absolutely awesome. Regeneration. We'll see you guys soon. Ridge Runner Nation, thank you again for tuning into another Ridge Runners live show. Remember, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out as well. If you don't follow us on social media, make sure to give us a follow. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, join our Strava Club so you can get mentioned in the Strava Rundown every single week. We'll see you next week, Rosanna Nation. Yeah.